on 1116 SEN, The Four Diegos. G'day, and welcome to The Four Diegos here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Wednesday night, Rodrigo Rodriguez with you. Thanks to Mark Fine and uh, another great show and the boys and the GBU crew, number 31 tonight. Uh, the first one that came to mind, Carlos, was Kelvin Templeton for me. Too. Yes, of course. Hey, 15 goals, nine. Rob Arassi, of course. 15 goals, nine against St Kilda. 31-32, <laughs> I think, uh, whatever that was. So, Western Naval. Yes, yes, I do. Yes. Anyway. Hey, um, welcome to the show, Thank Carlos. you very much, Rodrigo. Yes. If you didn't know that it was me talking... Western Bulldog stuff. No, that's right. And Vinnie yeah. Venezuela's here as well. Good evening, Rodrigo. Good evening, Carlos. Yes. Good evening. Uh, and it's great that uh, we're one short tonight. because that's I great. Dr- I dream. <laughs> I dream that uh, Warren loses his voice. Of course, it's essential on radio that you have a voice. And Warren sent the group text this morning saying, guys, I've lost my voice. Won't be able to come in. Um, I'm sure you will, won't be able to handle it. Did he do any other show during the week? Yes, he probably did. He, did he? Yeah, uh, you know, he has his own little... He did, it's been confirmed. Yeah, he has he his did. own little hour on a Monday. Right, with, he's picking uh, and choosing now. Yeah, high rating, he calls it, the high rating hour. But anyway, he's resting at home. Uh, what's, what What does he have? Does he have the... the uh, Laryngitis. Uh, you know, but did he have the, the, the honey and the... Right, yeah. <laughs> no, no, what, what, he what, just... He just has Coke. Yeah, that's right. The Coke. <laughs> for whatever. Yeah, whatever. Honey, goes, lemon, yeah. and hot water. Yes, that's right. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Warren will be back next week, and uh, it's uh, always sad not to have him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got, we've got a big show for you tonight. Uh, give us a call on nine four two nine eleven sixteen, or send us a text message. Uh, we we'll catch up with Mike McGrath mm. a little bit later on. But uh, hey, uh, the hot topic tonight. Uh, it's an interesting hot topic in light of, uh, of course, Australia defeating. We won yeah. against uh, Saudi Arabia 3-2. What's the hot topic tonight, boys? Well, look, uh, Vinny, Vinny will give the hot topic, but I just want to set it up a little bit. You know, right. we had the... Have you guys uh, worked this out? Uh, well, yeah, we had... Yeah, we, sometimes yeah, we, we chat. Yeah, we, we chatted about this before the show, and uh, and so it's coordinated, Vinny. Yeah. It's almost like a dance. Yeah. So it you is. think you can dance? Like the tango. Yeah, exactly right. Um you know, I was watching the, the game, mm-hmm. of course, uh, this game, uh, you know, the second of the two, of course, against uh, Belgium. Uh, we lost 2-0. Uh, the Socceroos were pretty much thoroughly outplayed by the Belgium team, uh, number five in the world, by the way. And uh, that, I think, led to the fifth straight loss for the Socceroos. And, of course, suddenly the Saudi Arabia game in London in front of 3,423 people suddenly became a must-win according to some pundits out there, had to be must win, <laughs> right? The, you know, Angel's honeymoon is over if we don't win this thing. Anyway, we ended up winning 3-2, unimpressive performance, lack of fluency, not a problem for me because obviously Angel's going through the list of players, bringing him in, other players are injured. He's just trying to work out where the depth is, right? And we suddenly we get guys I love, Mark Bosich, I love him. Robbie Slater, I love him. John Aloisi, I love him, right? I love them all, yep. right? But they're saying that suddenly, you know, it's not good enough that we're not winning all these games. And it's a bit of woe is me, Vinny. Yes, we can't have that, Carlos. Especially at this stage of preparations for the Asian Cup. So what's the hot topic tonight? Well, as people who know the Diego's would know, we we walk around with our cup and our cup is half full. (laughs) Always. It's always always half full. full. Yes, hello to our Samba tour out there. Yes, (laughs) the cup is always half full and... um, Really, the hot topic tonight is what fired you up about the friendly, yeah, and what were the positives from yes. the from the game v Saudi Arabia? Yeah, I haven't heard too many positives to tell you the truth from people out there, and there were plenty of positives. There for were me. plenty. Glasses half full. Yeah, hotline tonight. Absolutely. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. So, what or- fired you up about the friendlies? 
about the Socceroo game. Absolutely. Don't, don't, don't be rocking. Don't, don't upset us. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear that we weren't fluent, we weren't co- cohesive. Uh, you know, we nearly got beaten by Saudi Arabia, which were pretty much a poor team also. I don't want to hear all that we sort of stuff. We almost went back to the Civ defence in the second Absolutely. half. Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit of Civ defence there and, uh, <laughs> and the fact that we weren't much better against Belgium. For me, it doesn't matter right now. Mm. It doesn't matter. I want to see the little kiddies, you know, come in. I, th- I thought a real win for us, Vinny. I think one of the positives is that we tied Chris Hurd to Australia forever. That's right. That was By good, playing him. Yeah, and he's a smart player. Of course, he yeah. could have played for Scotland, and there was, you know, toing mm. and froing for a couple of years. I was a bit worried about Chris, but we've got him. He's locked in now. And the other kid, Brad Smith, yeah. he's ours too. This kid, this kid played under seventeen, good. under seventeen for England, under nineteen for England, under twenty-one for England, and decided to say, "Not, nah, not playing for England. I'll play for Australia." For me. Two positives already, big, big positives that will last us for 15 years. Also looks a bit like Christian Sarkis, I thought, so <laughs> it's nice to have sort of those warm and fuzzy flashbacks with mm. Christian. Can I ask, you know Saudi Arabia, you know how they own everything, they just buy things and own things? Yep. Would 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 have been would there have been any cheap seats on the Saudi Arabian <laughs> side, or they just pay premium? They were gold. They were gold, gold, yeah. gold class. <laughs> yes. yep. Apparently, uh, the... Oh, some you know little known fact, of course, in the uh, in some of the game where I you know basically lost my concentration because it was sort <laughs> of uh, you know some of the stuff was pretty ordinary out there. But uh, the commentators were talking about uh, I think they're saying that there's three hundred thousand Australians living in London. Two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. And they said there was an equal number of Saudi Arabians living in London too. Yep. Very interesting fact. Oh, Andy interesting. Harper's voice does go a little bit monotone sometimes. Was it, it Andy sort of... Harper? Yeah, it does oh, sort of lull you into a bit of a relaxed state. I was was a it relaxed. Simon and Andy, was it? Yep. I can't remember who it was. I but actually thought the grand announcer was also Simon. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the grand announcer sounded sound like, like Simon. They absolutely. all sound like Simon over there. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But I, by the way, I enjoyed Stan Collymore. Yes. Who yes, uh, was right. a special comments in the Belgium game. I thought he was very good. So. All right, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The glass is half full hotline. What fired you up? What was the positives? And we'll also take your calls on nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Let's go to Spiro in Springvale. Always like speaking with you, Spiro. You want to talk about the kids? Welcome to the show. Yeah, gentlemen, good evening. Just a couple of queries. Um, first things first, uh, the Preston North End kid, he was in the World Cup squad. It's a pity he didn't get a game. Uh, Bailey Wright? That's right. No, he did uh, play did he play? Yeah, he played and scored. He scored. Played and scored. In the World Cup. Oh, oh sorry, right, no, sorry, not in the World Cup. He played and scored against Saudi Arabia the other night. Yeah, sorry. maybe we should have played him in one of the three group games. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, Wheat Beaks and Bresciano, mate, they're not going to make a World Cup. They should be out there holding the spots of two young kids coming out. Oh, and, you, is, yeah. this, is this glass half full, Spiro? Mate, mate, we call a spade a spade because at the end of the day... <laughs> That's a different hotline now, Spiro. <laughs> different hotline. Just, re- just remember one thing, boys. If he doesn't make the final, Lippy gets the gig for the Russian World Cup. Just remember that. Okay, yeah. Spiro knows. And uh, thirdly and most importantly, I want to ask you, uh, is Qatar the only friendly we still got? Uh, before the uh, Asian Cup, and that's it. We One have three. Friendly. No, we have three, Spiro. We have Qatar. We have UAE, who apparently they're building up to be some gun team. Would be very, I've got to do a little bit of homework on them. And there's, a, there's an unknown opposition in November. So we've got three, uh, but I would think that they're going to stick to this side of the world. They won't go anywhere near the top ten in the world because I don't think we need those sort of games right now. There you go. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks very so much, Spiro. Yes, Always good to hear your voice. Uh, 9429-1116. Give us a call tonight. We'll take it uh, right throughout the show. Um, yeah, interesting. But, you know, just on that point, Spiro, uh, 
Mark Bresciano, Tim Kale, because yeah. they're not going to be here for Russia 2018. I think if they're going to help us win games at the Asian Cup, why not play them? I mean, he's still Makes playing sense. well enough. I mean, Timmy scored again, uh, you know, uh, against Saudi Arabia. Uh, Mark Bresciano came on and settled the kids down. I, th- I just don't think we should throw the baby out with the bathwater here. If these two can still play decent football, and by the way, they've got they've drafted Carl Valeri in there to try and probably you know support the you know the the back four just in front of them. So I, I just don't think there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think. Look uh, with the Bresciano thing, I guess I guess his injuries he's always in he's, he's always injured or close to being injured or recovering from an injury. So I guess. You, you may want to start shipping him out, but he's still the most, the, you know, the most amount of quality we have in that position. So you've got to keep him at least until people uh, get as good as him or, or close to, to replicating some of his, his, his gold. The other thing I was going to say, Carvalieri didn't come on for, for long. He yeah. came in the second half, but I thought he looked all right. Yeah, no, he's a good player. He's nice a very and mobile. Pro- very professional be, player. Very yeah. excited. Yeah, for a victory this year. Yeah, no, I, th- I can't look, look, really looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, the guy I thought it was a real winner for us. Uh, I think there was two. Uh, Chris Hurd, I thought was very good, mm-hmm. and Massimo Longo, I thought was terrific, oh, he especially was playing very clean. in. The, yes, just in behind the the strikers there. And uh, geez, I tell you what, he's very very good ball at his feet with mm. plenty of people around him. He's very uh, very skillful and, and does bring other people into the game. If we can manage to get Tommy Rogic. Unfortunately, Tommy Rogic was born with my groin. The, the invisible man. Yeah, there's not Tommy Rogic. No, it's your voice. It's is Tommy Rogic, yeah. Uh, it's changed now. Unfortunately, the diagnosis is that Tommy Rogic has got Carlos Alberto groins. Oh, that's a shame. Which means he could be anything, but he unfortunately you know, is, is humble at the moment. So if we can somehow get Tommy right... Tommy. Tommy. If we Tommy, get Tommy Tommy's, right. Tommy's like the Jonathan Woodgate. <laughs> he's like Carl Woodgate. Yeah, he's not, he's not a lemon yet. No, he's no, just yeah. always injured. Yes, yeah, John. No, I, I, I just can't. What is Fenneke, Who's seeing him at the moment? Who's rubbing that groin at the moment? Who is working that groin to the point where? It, I mean, I, it's even I have better groins than him right now, and he's uh, been out of the game for such a long time. It was a battle for him. Remember, from the time, last couple of games of victory, he wasn't oh, yeah, playing. He struggled straight through the World Cup. Uh, you know, the the pre game. You know, pre you know camp. Period, mm-hmm. and he broke down there, and he's still not right. He's, I don't think he's playing at Celtic yet. So, if but if we can get him and Massimo Longo playing together, Robbie Cruz in that side, you know, still Reece a lot Williams, of injuries in this. Oh, side. Curtis Good, and yep. suddenly we're getting some depth in there, and some good young boys who can drive us into the future. So, just what what did you make? We talked about uh, you know the criticism coming from the former soccerers, but Ange Ange clearly is just. Dusted that those yeah. off, hasn't he? I mean, the, the, if anyone's going to be able to accept a bit of criticism, it's Ange Postecoglou. So he's just standing firm and saying, "Well, if you know, I'm, I'm happy for everyone to have an opinion. It's yep. their right. Everyone has an opinion, but uh, as long as they remember that opinion, well, in we the turn future, things around. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I thought that was a, a good comeback, without yeah. you know disrespecting the, the people that are saying it. But uh, yeah. I have no, I have no problem if uh, the boys had played a bad World Cup. And uh, and they and they look bad. Then they've followed on, and I can understand why they would be talking that way. But they everyone really applauded, given that you know the, the you know the phase they're in, the transitional phase they're in at the moment, and the kids coming through. Everyone pretty much applauded the effort of the World Cup, even though we didn't get any points. Uh, the game against Belgium, they're number five in the world, really. You know, we don't have our best side out at the moment, and uh, and they won two 0 
away from home. And, you know, look, Belgium outplayed us, so you've got to accept that. We beat the Saudi Arabians, but it just seemed like the post-game review, I thought, was almost alarmist right now. And we don't need to be. In fact, when I was watching the game, I was actually thinking to myself, I'm not going to get too anxious about this game because I've got a feeling that half of these guys probably won't be in the Asian Cup squad. It, I just got this feeling that Ange is still working out who's going to be in his 23 for that Asian Cup. And he was just going through, just, you know, throwing people in, having a look at them. I mean, he started with Josh Berlante against Belgium as a full back, but yeah. then he was having, he had him as a holding midfielder, you know, in this game. Um, you know, Brad Smith is another kid who he threw on late in the game on that left side. Um, you know, uh, someone who came on for, um, uh, Chris Hurd. Someone came on from Chris Hurd. It was just, uh, sorry, he, sorry, uh, Carl Valeri came on and Josh Milligan Br- came on. I think. Yeah, and then Brosh- Josh Brillanti went to fullback. So, uh, I, I just thought it was just another experimental game. He's got three others now to start betting in his squad. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be against, you know, opposition that, you know, is in the top 10 in the world. So he can actually have practice against possible opposition in the Asian Cup plus start finalising his squad. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think we should be alarmist right now. I don't think we should be too anxious. Yes, we don't see what the team's going to look like, but you've got to remember, Robbie Cruz yeah, is not back. right. You know, Reese Williams is not right. Uh, Curtis Good's not right. Um, you know, there's other circumstances where Oli Bazanich is not right. So there's... There's a there's a Spiranovic few Spiranovic is injured, so there's five already that will probably be in, probably in the top twelve of that yeah. squad. That's right. If you if, if your cup was half empty, you'd say there's still plenty of time for them to get injured yeah. later on. But uh, <laughs> we're going to be half full here. Look, I think uh, that whole honeymoon is over. I, I don't think. I don't. I don't think it all begins. I don't think the the actual wedding night begins until the Asian Cup. <laughs> yeah. To be quite honest with you, and yeah. and after that, that's when we will have the spade is a spade, call it yeah. call it in hotline. I think up until now, as you say, it's still about testing the waters, moving things around. I thought we kept possession quite well against Saudi Arabia. We were a bit sloppy and and rusty in bits, and I, I never I never understand that, Carlos. When you know when you got guys at, at the you know at the highest level playing. Yeah. Playing the game, making sort of silly oh, schoolboy yeah. mistakes. Well, Millie, yeah, the next, you know, I love Millie, and he's a really powerful influence in the middle of the park. But using the ball is not always his strong point. Uh, for Crystal Palace, he's not expected to do too much of the ball. He's a ball winner and pass it to, you know, short passes to his uh, to his other more creative types. With Australia, I think he feels at times he's got to be more creative, but he's not that sort of player. And I thought at different times he gave away the ball in really bad situations. Uh, look, the other thing, you know, you look at someone like Jason Davidson, uh, he has not had a preseason. And so he's played something like four games in, in two weeks. Uh, and, you know, some, I think the Oxford game where he was man of the match, he played 120 minutes and scored the winning penalty. Well, the guy plays like he's exhausted right now. Matthew Leckie's another one who's just come back from a long-term injury. You know, he's just started playing in Germany now. So... Some of these guys are really underdone too, and it's not only the injured guys; it's the guys on the field who aren't quite right. And Miller's playing a little bit like that at the moment. So, uh, but Timmy, you know, Timmy Carl's what you know. Timmy just gives what he does. Just I mean, a pro. 
Yeah, he's, he's just he does what he always does, and, and that's a positive. So, Mitch Langrak, what do you think about Mitch? Well, look, Mitch is a bit unfortunate. He's uh, he could be costly. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to unfortunately when he does get a run, was it Ecuador as well in the yeah, Ecuador game? He he gives off. he gets sent off and gives away a penalty. A bit unlucky. I, I, a bit unlucky I, on this one, though, Vinny. Yeah, you? look, I thought the guy milked it uh, for yeah. all it was worth and kept. There's no way. That that was a penalty for mine. I know. I know he was down and horizontal, but the guy had plenty of time to jump over him if he wanted to. But wanted to. Yeah, he left. To, uh, he left his leg. Left there, his leg there. there. I, I, I know. I hate that too. I mean, wish, wish referees had a, a chance to have a look at the, the vision when a player leaves the leg there mm. and doesn't try and avoid contact. That should never be a penalty. But they gave it, and in fact, he probably got away with not getting a red card because he was the last yeah, man yeah. too. And then there was controversy over the actual penalty itself, where when you're running to strike a penalty, you can't actually deliberately stop and then start again. Mm. And uh, that's what the Saudi Arabian penalty taker did, and the ref let it go too. So, you know, I mean, it could have been 3-1. Yeah. But look, for me, the result didn't matter. Uh, We got to blood a couple more kids. Um, But you're right. Once the Asian Cup starts... That's when the honeymoon's over. You're really expected to go quite deep into that competition. And Rally Rasic, the former, you know, 1974 World Cup winning, uh, sorry, not World Cup winning coach, World <laughs> Cup Australian coach, coach yes. set out and said, there's, he said, I think uh, just after the World Cup, that he expects to win the Asian Cup and there's no other result that he would accept. That, Is that still a realistic expectation, given what we're seeing? There's no, I mean, it's not that the glass is half full. I know. But, yeah, but uh, it's not, yeah, but <laughs> what sort of question is that, Rodrigo? Yeah, I mean, it's no, a question. I, I don't know what sort of, I don't know what sort of squad we're going to actually have in the end because, you know, are these guys who are injured going to be available? Are they going to be match fit and all that sort of stuff? And I'm pretty sure that whatever squad Ange has, they'll be prepared as well as they can be because that's what he does. And you've got to remember, you know, it's not that like Japan's setting the world alight. It's not like Korea's setting the world alight. I mean, these. Other Asian teams were pretty poor in the World Cup too. I think every Asian team that qualified finished last in their group. So, you know, we can't be fearful even though we're not ready. Yeah. Oh, no, look, I mean, the Asian Cup is, is, is on the horizon and it's not far away when you think about it. It's no. a couple of months away. Hey, we're getting a, yeah, we've had a few glasses half full, but we've also got a, one <laughs> glass is half empty and that's what I'm going to read. <laughs> to, to just to, just is to, that uh, on the spade, call a spade a spade hotline? Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's right. We've kind of got uh, that's line two. the bizarro hotline going, the call <laughs> a spade a spade. Nick from Carnegie, come on, guys. Don't know if you're watching the same Aussie team as the rest of us. When you include the World Cup, they've conceded 12 goals in five games. Alarm bells are ringing. Look, yes, we have conceded those goals in five games, and there is a touch of the sieve defences. But for me, that's all about you know developing cohesion with the team you're going to go with. And that team against Saudi Arabia is not the team we're going to go with. So, Nick, yes, your, tr- your mathematics is right, <laughs> but my alarm bells aren't ringing yet. And I'm going to say... Like, in fairness to the team uh, at the World Cup, but also this team and, and whatever team we take to to the Asian Cup, when a team is in camp, you'll get different results because it'll be concentrated uh, work, working the, the strategies and the formations, and that'll get you a better result. They, they are a little bit loose at the moment. They were at the World Cup, and at the World Cup, I'll forgive them because they they... they they still had their name tags on. They didn't know who they were. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'd be Nick. I'd be with you yep. if the if at the Asian Cup we're, we're letting the same sort of cheap goals mm. in, then heads have to roll. Absolutely. And, and if Miller's, you know, 
getting, you know, uh, turning over the ball in an uncontested way, unforced errors in that respect. If uh, if people are not pushing out with the offside trap all in a line, I mean, if they're not doing that, Nick, I'm all for it, mate. The alarm bells will be ringing. At the moment, the smoke detector is going a little bit, <laughs> but the alarm bells aren't ringing yet. I'll tell you what I, what the moment I felt, felt um, was interesting for me uh, was in the second half when Urich came on. Mm. And we know who he's been uh, <laughs> compared, you know, to. compared to, which we won't go there. But rather than go down the sides and lobbing it over looking for Super Tim, we went through the middle and he, he, he got the ball, he chested it, mm. and it, it didn't bounce properly for yeah. him and he didn't quite finish it. But I, I, I don't see enough of that going penetrating through the middle. We, yeah. we, we're going down the flanks and, and even Lecky. I don't know, maybe I, I'm, I'm remembering this incorrectly, but even at the World Cup, at least at the Chile game, he was going at the goal, whereas he was he was stuck on the on the wing a little bit more this time. And I think his brief was just, he was Valencia-like in that, just get yeah. it down the side and lob it over. So I I, I would hope and, and expect that we'll, we'll probably sort of need to, to, to penetrate that centrally rather than from the flanks. Oh. Yeah, look, I think when we've got our proper squad, Vinny, and Andrew's got some decent time with them, there will be a pattern of play that may be what you want. Yes. But whatever the pattern of play is, they would have worked on it. That's the important thing. Glasses half full. Yeah. Glasses half full hotline 0433981116. Hey, let's take a break now and come back with Mike McGrath on the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Finish last in your league and they call you an idiot. Finish last in medical school and they call you a doctor. This has been a profound coaching moment by the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Yes, we're here on a Wednesday night. Hope you've had a good one and... uh... We've got uh, a big show still to come. Um, we've got Mike McGrath. We'll, we'll start the big show now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've had we've had the kind of medium show. <laughs> yeah, it gets big now. Yeah, it gets very, very big. Yes. We have an international. We do. Yes. We do. We've got a good text here. Twenty-two minutes and no Liverpool. <laughs> That's because Warren's not here. Right. Uh, I like that text. Uh, Mike McGrath, welcome to the show. Hi guys. Very kind of you. Very good. Yeah, no, well, well, you know, it's, it, it gets big now, Mike. Yeah. Uh, this is Rodrigo. You've got Vinny and uh, Carlos. No Warren in the house today. He's got uh, a dose of laryngitis, so um, his family is very ha- happy about that. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Um, I'm not going to ask you an EPL question just yet, but um, Sepp Blatter is seeking his fifth term as uh, FIFA president. I just want to know, you're in the media. I know you, you've got your, uh, your informers. Is there any faceless men in the English on the English side? Because you know the relationship between FIFA and England uh, isn't that great. Um, is there anything going on about potentially deposing the uh, the great man in Sepp Blatter from England? Yeah, there's some real kind of pressure on uh, FIFA from people over here. But I think the general feeling is the fact that he's so powerful and it's going to take it's going to probably take him resigning for him not to be in power. There's been some really great journalism from the Sunday Times to uncover um, what, re- on the face of it, looks like a very corrupt bid for Qatar. Um, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say, um, you know, the allegations have been uh, have been pretty strong. Uh, but as those, as those allegations show, there's so many people that stand to gain 
from Blatter being in power, that why would they vote against him when they're giving him giving uh, their country money for football and and the allegations obviously are money for personal use as well, which is obviously illegal. So there's so many um, countries away from England that stand to gain from Blatter being in power, but obviously over here we are very strong that we feel that it's um, it really needs a shake up. Uh, the whole the whole system of football governance. Mike, it's Carlos. How do you guys react to the rest of the world uh, turning around and saying that England are just uh, and, and Australia too, to some extent, in the in the, in the Americans that uh, it's just a matter of sour grapes because we got beaten pretty comprehensively in that last World Cup. Uh, vote and we should accept it. I mean, uh, Sepp Blatter apparently at some Exco conference uh, in Brazil prior to the World Cup had, apparently had hundreds of uh, Exco members and uh, you know, mem- representatives of member federations all around the world begging him to stay and to and to uh, and to go for another term. I mean, could it be that you know Australia, England, and America? Are the uh, are the evil ones here? Are the wrong ones? And uh, and the rest of the world and FIFA and Sepp Blatter are they are they are in the right here? No, I, I think personally that absolutely the whole system of bidding for the World Cup, um, which is kind of what this all all bases around, you know, absolutely stinks. You know, I've I've heard from people in the um, in the Aussie camp that were that were bid, uh, during the last bid and they saw. Uh, Qatar people high fiving in the in the hotel lobby before <laughs> the votes had even been announced. So I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, I think that uh, America, Australia, and England probably pay the price for pay uh, for playing a fair fight. And and England, Andy Anson was the leader of the bid, the, the CEO of the bid, and he made it really clear uh, when we were going for it, we're going to do this fair. Um, we're not going to go down the down the route that other people do. We're not going to uh, grease palms or anything like that. There was no ambush marketing, uh, which uh, Qatar were guilty of. And maybe it's a bit of naivety because, you know, that that kind of fair fight doesn't often win. But that's the way that we chose to do it. Um, and, and obviously, it's, uh, it's really disappointing when you pull out all the big guns like Beckham, Prince William... And even that, which was which was good enough to get an Olympics, wasn't good enough to beat Qatar in a in a in a fight for the World Cup. Now, if they'd taken Kate, that would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> that would have that, that would have got them over. We have another go at that then. <laughs> well, that's right. When we you know when they make the third child, if we just uh, get FIFA on board, we, you'll get it through, no doubt. Now, Mike uh, Vinny here, of course. Um, our hotline tonight is glass half full. What 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 our listeners liked about the Socceroo performance? I want to talk about. Where, how, if your cup is half full, given um, uh, England look like they're going to make it out of the group of death with, uh, we, you know, having beaten Switzerland, and now you've only got Andorra and um, <laughs> Slovenia to go, what you loved about uh, the England performance? Um, I think look, I, I, I was uh, I didn't watch it, but I've been um, following it quite closely, and I think the general feeling has been that uh, Hodgson was positive in the Switzerland game. Which you know was, is not a given. I know it's Switzerland. That obviously they did better than us at the World Cup, but it's not a given that we'd attack Switzerland away from home. Um, so that was a positive. The positive as well was Danny Welbeck scoring. It looks like he might have a bit of a new lease of life at Arsenal, and the fact that they could cover for Daniel Sturridge 
injuring him, um, injuring himself before the game with somebody like Sturridge stepping up. I think that was really positive. And Raheem Sterling's been probably the only positive uh, from the World Cup, and he looks like he's going to be a proper uh, English superstar if we hype him up like we normally do. Um, so there, there's plenty, there's plenty to be positive about in the second half of the uh, of the international break. Um, it was a little bit. Uh, questions were still being asked at the first half because obviously we had such a terrible World Cup. We didn't get any further than Australia, but we certainly uh, didn't make friends like Australia or kind of, um, you know, have any magic moments. So it was, um, a lot of questions were asked at the first, uh, at the beginning of the international break. It's interesting though, Mike, uh, the drums are beating over there anyway. Roy Hodgson was almost given the... Uh uh, you know, the uh, the vote of confidence straight after the World Cup, which surprised me, given that they were so poor over there. But uh, even after the win against uh, Switzerland, Tony Fernandez, the uh, the owner of uh, QPR, has come out and said, look, if, uh, you know, the English FA asked uh, Harry Redknapp whether he wanted to be the new manager of England, he would let him go, you know, with uh, all, his, uh, all his best wishes. Uh it's interesting that that conversation has started again. I mean, is that just the owner trying to, you know, maybe get rid of Harry, or uh, or is there some real strong chat over there about uh, maybe Harry Redknapp uh, taking over from Roy Hodgson? No, I don't think it's uh, serious talk. Obviously, Harry's um, in, a, in a strong position himself. He's going to get a new contract at, at QPR, and he's taking them up to the Premier League first time. Uh, but I, I really think that ship sailed, if I'm perfectly honest. I think if he was going to get it in 2012, he would have got then. He probably would be in charge for a good, you know, four, four to six years, maybe, maybe even longer. But I think that's gone now. And, you know, a bit of bridges burnt, maybe, in that relationship between the FA and, um, and Harry. So I can't really see that one happening. Uh, but it, it does show the, the wider picture that, you picked up on there is the fact that Hodgson was not really scrutinised after a, a shocking uh, tournament, which only really lasted two, which, which only lasted two games for England, um, and that's uh, and people were like Fernandez probably were thinking, well, what, why isn't he under under scrutiny? Um, and maybe there might be a case of that. There's not many uh, better people around at the moment to, to do that job than Roy Hodgson. Could it be that uh, Tony Fernandez can't pay, um, <laughs> you know, Harry Redknapp because um, he just wants to offload him to England because uh, QPR could be relegated to the pub leagues if they don't pay a forty million pound. Is it financial fair play? Because they make stuff up, don't they? Fine uh, for for being right, so ridiculously yeah. in debt. Yeah, they didn't make the books balance uh, last year to the tune of what they're actually kind of around the same figure of what they're going to be fined um, by the Football League, which I think is upward of about £50 million. It's, it's an astronomical amount of money, which obviously they will get back from uh, the TV. But, it, it, you know, that Fernandez has kind of said from when they got promoted that, they really, that they're going to fight it in the courts. So it could be a really ugly battle. Um, to get kicked out of the Football League, I think, you know, it would be... Yeah, to, to do it even worse than Portsmouth have done it now in the lowest division, it would take some doing. I imagine it will. It, they, I imagine they will get get this sorted in an agreement in courts rather than boot them into the um, what used to be known as the Vauxhall Conference.
But, Mike, do they need to get relegated for them to have that possibility where they could get relegated to the pub leagues, or uh, they yeah, can, could they do it from yeah, the EPL if they if they maintain their status there? No, because um, the, the Premier League and the football the football league um, are separate are separate uh, companies, businesses, um, products. So, it, while they're in that top twenty, they uh, in that top twenty league, the Premier League. Now, Mike, can I ask you um, a couple of Man United questions? I, I see that uh, they're under a bit of financial pressure because they didn't make any, uh, you know, the, the Champions League final. And, and I also noticed that uh, David Moyes, they're saying his payout and, and, and letting him go cost us a lot of money. Is there any truth to the rumour that they offered uh, him uh, Fellaini and just call it even? <laughs> well... <laughs> I'm not sure what Fellaini's um, value is now. You see, that's a, that's the uh, that's a that's a big big problem in getting rid of him. Uh, but it certainly it's those uh, financial figures have been quite eye-opening. They say that Moyes lost them 50 million, um, and it, I mean I don't know about you guys, but I just struck the uh, it just struck me as a bit a bit of panic buying really at the end there for Man U getting Falcao for. Yeah, astronomical figures, um, and the pressure really is on now to, to of spending that money to to be in the top four. And Mike, is there any is there a lot of debate over where all these players are going to fit? Given that you've got uh, quite a lot of strikers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously Van Hal's um, come in, and I mean he's been quoted already saying, "I've got too many number nines, too many number tens, um, not enough centre backs." So they bought. In my eyes, a left back, not a centre back in, in Rocker, and another number nine uh, in uh, in Falcao. I think Di Maria is a world class player who will give them genuine pace and width. But um, some strange decisions in terms of who they, uh, in terms of the position they bought. But I think I think what Ed Woodward and Van Hull would say is when the chance comes to get somebody like Falcao, you can't uh, you can't turn it down. Um, they'll certainly have firepower, but I just think uh, if I was a Premier League manager, I'd be all over that defence, three at the back or even four at the back. Whatever they play, I think they're gonna, they're going to concede. I tell you what, the stock market uh, is going to be happy. They're, they're just about to record revenues, record revenues of about four hundred twenty million pound, um, and uh, they've sold two million replica shirts as well. So. The backroom boys are doing okay. <laughs> yeah. the, the office staff are doing okay, aren't they? They're you know, making a profit. They're doing all of that. But, uh, yeah, they're interesting on pitch at the moment. That could be a totally different team. I wonder if they get the backroom boys in at half time, just to you know, say, listen, we're <laughs> yeah, working hard here. We're making the calls. How about you kick some goals? I reckon that happens, Carlos. No, uh, uh, Vinny, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at the uh, rich clubs. But, anyway, hey, Mike, uh, that's it. Uh, thanks for your time. And, we, as always, we appreciate it uh, here on the Four Diego's. Okay, speak soon, guys. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Always good to talk to him. Hey, let's take a break now and come back with uh, the glasses half full. Yes. Or empty. Yeah, it's, it's getting to midnight. You know, if, 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 <laughs> no, if, don't oscillate. Come on, Rodrigo. Don't, don't I'm, I'm, oscillate. Hang in there. I'm, I'm vacillating. <laughs> I'm not oscillating. You're flagellating. <laughs> let's take a break on the vacillation, uh, Diego's, here in 1116 SEM, Melbourne's home of sport. My dog was about my only friend. I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends. 
so she bought me another dog. This has been a sad coaching moment. By the four Diego's. This is uh, we come to a close after the Diego's uh, all night appetite with Darren Parkin from twelve till six and from twelve to one NFL Thursday with uh, Will Batulis uh, coming up after midnight. Hey, um, the glasses half full hotline today on zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Some positives: Kale's thirty fifth international goal, a captain's goal, and he. Um, even though he's not a captain. And young back uh, Bailey Wright scored Rob L in Footscray. They were positives, by the way. Yep, yep, definitely. Guys, please don't read out those half-witted SMSs from bandwagon Socceroos fans. Ange is doing a fantastic job, so just let him bloody do it and stop criticising the squad. He has successfully blooded the youth and their time is upon us, so let's sit back and reserve judgement until after the Asian Cup. That's John in Mill Park, an informed and educated <laughs> fan. In brackets. He writes... <laughs> Um, with Fulham out of the EPL, it was nice to see Craven Cottage on the telly again. That fired me up. That's Mick in summer. On you, Mick. Can I just say that the pitch on, at Craven Cottage was woeful, and yep. I think it... Uh, I don't know. I didn't like it at all. There you go. Uh, Twiggy, she uh, kind of reflects... Or um, said she, but... Uh, could yeah, be it could, he, be, of could be he. Sorry, yeah. Twiggy. Anyway, we won, given recent form line. That fired me up. Yes, there you go. fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I've read out the uh, 22 minutes in no Liverpool. Yeah. Can I just, uh, hats off to Phil Lamps on the Twitter. He said, uh, Mas Luongo looks an excellent prospect, quality on the ball. Bit, bit disappointed that Tommy Urich didn't get more game time. So you can um, follow us on Twitter too and post up there if you'd like. At Fort Diego's. Uh, glasses half full prediction, Josh Kennedy, the win the Golden Boot in Asian Cup. It says the Holden Boot. So. Well, he, he, look, he is a successful uh, player in Asia. He has been for many years. He's been top one of the top goal scorers in the top handful of goal scorers in the J League, which is probably the strongest league in Asia. Uh, he's loved over there. Um, he probably will end up coming back, I'm hearing, the possibility, maybe Melbourne City after... David Villa moves on. Suddenly, Josh will come in and take his spot, uh, which will be around about Asian Cup time anyway. Mm. So I'm not quite sure why he wasn't picked for this squad. Uh, he might be injured right now. He has had a, a history of back issues in uh, in Japan, and uh, maybe that sort of held him back. But uh, I'd like to see him back in the squad, to tell you the truth. Mm. I, know, I know it might conflict with the whole Timmy Cole being the, you know, the pointy end prong, mm. because that you can't have both of them. But uh, it just seemed a bit weird that he wasn't in the squad. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, he's because st- he's still scoring in uh, in Japan. Hey, Carlos, you're on half today, and um, yes, had a special guest in the studio, Kevin Musket. Yes, a delightful, delightful, wonderful. I've man. never heard <laughs> the delightful. I've got to say, I've got to say, it was it was a real pleasure to be in the studio with Kev because you, you obviously you know him as a footballer and you know uh, you, you know, he, he probably divides uh, a lot of people around the world with the way he used to play uh, people also uh, are probably uh, wondering about how good a coach he's going to be uh, but today I thought he was fantastic he, he really answered our questions uh, in a really uh, you know uh, elaborate sort of a way. He was really honest with uh, with his responses, and I think he's uh, even though he's containing a lot of the excitement. I think he's really excited about the squad he's picked up, and the fact that uh, they've really got under the radar this uh, preseason with Melbourne City having all the highlights and all the all the headlines. Uh, you know, with the fact that they've become millionaires all of a sudden. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, Muskie's really, really happy with the squad, and 
Very, very excited about uh, Barisha up front too. Uh, apparently the guy is setting new standards there at training and demanding a lot of his teammates. And, uh, yeah, and uh, Matthew uh, Dalpierre, who's uh, the centre-half who they picked up, he's got a big, big opinion of him. Of course, Carl Valeri, who, uh, you know, is just a, a super professional with Mark Millick. And I tell you what, they've got a fantastic spine there at the moment with uh, with a couple of other players, Archie Thompson, of course, Guy Finkler. Yeah, very, very experienced team at the moment. And uh, apart from all of those pearls there, Carlos, was, did anything else uh, strike you as a, an interesting insight into either the man or the club at this point in time? Uh, well, I'm just trying to think back uh, to what some... Uh, it wasn't on air, but off air, I asked him about Tommy Rogic and uh, and how he stacked up against some of the great players that uh, that Muskie played with. And I'm talking about the, the Paul Ocons, Ned Zalich, Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka. They're the four for me. I'm sure there's others, but they're the four for me who had... You know, world class technique. You know, guys who could go anywhere around the world and compete with anyone. And uh, and I said, how did it, we, I know that those guys did it in their career over a long period of time? And I know Tommy Rogic has done nothing, even though he's been picked up by Celtic and everyone recognises his potential. He's done nothing, but how do you compare that his technique compared to those guys? And and Muskie said, well, of course he's got potential, but you don't really you can't compare him until Tommy does something. And does something in real games in red hop atmosphere yeah. at the top level in club football, and I thought that was a fairly good answer because we were always hoping that you know Tommy might be that sort of player, but unless uh, unless he shows it on a consistent basis, on a consistent basis over a long period of time, uh, you just can never you can never really compare the two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here we go, Raheem Sterling. This is a bit of Liverpool for you. Raheem <laughs> Sterling to win EPL Player of the Year would get in every team around the world. That's Darren. There you go, Darren. Um, although John in Port Melbourne, forty-three <laughs> minutes now. Hopefully, a weekly occurrence. But, uh, sorry about that, John. But uh, you know, Had got to, to, to honour the text from Darren. Yeah. He's a regular tw- uh, texter. Uh, 